this morning by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and the truth of the Word of God, I want to talk to you and answer the question of how to, have, how to be a happy father. I've heard a lot of people this morning already t- uh, wish me a happy Father's Day. I'm so thankful for that. Um, I've been thinking since early this morning, what's it really mean to be a happy father? Folks, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I'm going to be just as real as I know how to be. I have failed at a lot of things in my life. Um, now, I'm not proud of that. I'm not in any way bragging about that fact. I'm simply stating the fact. There's a lot of things I've failed at. I, I'm not in any way trying to promote mediocrity or failure. I want to be the best at doing whatever it is I'm doing. The scripture says that whatever the Lord puts in our hands to do, we ought to do it as we're working under the Lord. And so I want to make sure everything I'm doing, I'm doing my best at it. Because I, ultimately I'm, I'm not doing it for me or for another man. I'm doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ if I'm serving him daily in my life. And so I'm not proud of the fact that I failed at many things. I'm just stating the fact that I have failed at many things. Now, if there's one thing that I certainly don't want to fail at, it's being the father God has called me to be and my kids need me to be. I don't want to fail at that. I want to succeed at that. I, at, for me to fail at that, I'm telling you, would, be, would make me a very sad daddy. Amen? And, and I, I don't want to be that. We're not talking about being a sad daddy today. We want to be a happy daddy. We want to be a happy father. And I want to tell you what would make me a happy father more than anything else. What does make me a happy father is that my kids would honor God throughout their life. That's what I want to see. I want to see my children experience the abundant life that is promised to everyone who follows after Jesus. Can you say amen, fathers? I want to see my children live a life with character and integrity. I want to see them be burning, shining lights in a very dark world. I want to see them walk and live and exist in the strength of the joy of the Lord. I want to, make, I want to see that to be real for them. And so that would make me a very happy father. How about you? That, that would make me as happy as I possibly could be as a daddy. And so I guess what I want to do this morning is answer the question as to how we point our kids in that direction. How do we um, point them toward following Christ so that they might experience all that the Lord has for them, so that they might enjoy the blessing of God upon their life? Um, the Word of God tells us exactly how we are to do that. And so this morning, I'm going to give you three main points of how to be a happy father. How to accomplish what we want to accomplish as fathers who love their children. Now, the first point that I want to give you is the joy of fatherhood. The joy of fatherhood. Before we can really be what God wants us to be, we've got to realize what a joy it is to be a daddy, to be a father. Listen to what the scripture says in Psalm 127, starting with verse number 3. The, the, the word of God tells us, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. Now that word heritage there actually means a gift 
or a blessing. That children are a blessing from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is the reward that God gives us. Now, I want to tell you something. I can say that is true um, as far as my experience goes with my children. They are truly a blessing to me. I am so thankful for all three of them. My three greatest blessings call me daddy, and I, and I could not be more proud of my kids. They, I, I first experienced the joy of fatherhood when I held them babies in my arm for the first time and instantly fell in love with those kids. Dad, y'all know what I'm talking about? That moment when you realize the great blessing and gift that God has given you, and my heart was truly filled with the joy of the Lord. I was scared to death because I realized the responsibility. Uh, almost made me want to throw up when I started thinking about what I was holding there. But, but I want to tell you, uh, I'm so thankful that God gave me these great blessings. It is truly a joy to be their father. It's amazing watching them grow. And I remember thinking this morning about all the milestones that I've seen them hit already in their life. You know, their, their first step and their first words. And, uh, and then the first day of school. And praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that I saw each and every one of them accept Christ as their personal, as their personal Savior. I remember the day that they got saved. I remember the time that as a father I got the great privilege of baptizing them. What a blessing that truly is. I cannot wait to see what God is going to continually do in the life of my children. Being a father is a great joy. It's the joy of my life. I am jacked up about being a daddy. I love it. I'm so thankful for the great blessings of my kids. No doubt about that. Now what bothers me is I hear and I see um, you know, a lot of fathers today who don't see fatherhood as a blessing but a burden. And they do everything they possibly can to somehow shirk their responsibility that God has blessed them with. Now that's a problem. Fatherlessness is running rampant in this country and it's showing up in every area of our life. Let me say this. I want to talk to two groups of people this morning before I go any further. First of all, I want to talk to the father that may be listening to me who has seen or did see father, fatherhood as a burden and not a blessing and you shirked your responsibility. I want to talk to you first. Maybe you're, you're here this morning. Maybe you're listening to me uh, online. But I want you to know one thing. It's not too late. It is not too late to do the right thing. It's not too late to get your heart right with God, and to get your heart right with your children. And you should do that. I want to give you a verse of Scripture. It comes from the book of Joel. Joel chapter uh, number 2. I believe it is starting in verse number 25 through verse number 32. I'm not going to turn over there. I want you to write it down, go back and look at it later. But in Joel chapter 2, the prophet is speaking to the nation of Israel. And he's telling them that they need to repent because the nation at that time because of the sin of the people, was in shambles. The locusts had came and eaten the crops and had put them years behind in the food they needed to survive. And so God speaks through his man Joel and he says, God is able to restore the years the locusts have eaten. Now, how many of you believe this morning that we serve a God who is still in the business of restoration? 
He can restore the lost years. Now, how does that happen? Well, just like Joel said, first of all, what you've got to do is repent. You've got to repent of your sin, turn from your way to God's way, get right with God, and then make every attempt you possibly can, Daddy, to make it right with your children. But you've got to make an attempt. I've had dads tell me before who have shirked their responsibility and have failed at being a father, well, my kids will never listen to me. You'll never know unless you try. You'll never know unless you make an attempt. And you need to do that. It's never too late to do the right thing. And I'm telling you, the grace of God is available for us all. God can restore what you have lost in your relationship to your children. That's the first group I want to talk to. The second group I want to talk to are maybe the kids that have suffered the result of having a father who saw fatherhood as a burden and not a blessing. They shirked their responsibility, didn't do what they were supposed to do, and failed you. Now, let me tell you something to you. It's not your fault. I realize that for a lot of people, Father's Day is a very happy day. But I also realize for a lot of people it can be a very sad day. And I want to let you know, the failure of your father is his failure. It's not yours. We cannot keep living in the past, for if we keep living in the past, we will ruin our present and hinder our future. So if you've got a father who failed you, you need to know it's not your fault. And secondly, you need to understand that, praise God, by His grace you've made it. You came through that. And God, by His mercy and grace, has not left you. And He still loves you. Can you say amen? It's not your fault. You've made it. Move on. And let me give you a verse that I hope and pray will encourage your heart this morning. It comes from the book of Psalms as well. When it talks about just how good God is as our Heavenly Father. Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. Brothers, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Psalm 68, starting with verse number 5. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. So what that's saying is... If you don't know your father, if you didn't really have a father, if your father shirked your responsibility, the void left from your earthly father can and will be filled with your heavenly father if you will trust in him. If you will cling to him. If you will seek him. If you will run to him. For he is our fortress and our strong tower. He's our ever-present help in a time of need. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother, and you can always count on his faithfulness. What your earthly father failed in, your heavenly father will never fail in or fail at. He'll always love you. He'll always be faithful. He'll always do what he says he's going to do. He'll always be there when you need him. God has not failed me yet, and he won't fail you. He's faithful not because I'm good, but because He's good. He keeps His promise not because I keep mine, but because He's holy and perfect and righteous 
and loving and gracious. He's a father to the fatherless. Look at the next verse. Verse number six. God set up the solitary in families. <laughs> I love that. Those who are lonely, those who are by themselves, those who are in a solitary place, he will give you a family. And sometimes the family he gives you has nothing to do with blood relation. They really don't. He will set the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in dry land. Don't rebel against the Lord. The rebellious remains in the dry land. What we need to do is run to the Lord. What we need to do is accept who he is and trust him because he is able to fill the void that is left from those who shirk their responsibilities. Fatherhood, first and foremost, is a joy. And we should see our kids as a blessing that God has given us. Listen to me, dads. Your blessings are your children. And we need to understand what the Bible is saying in Psalm 127, verse number 3. Not only do I want you to see the joy of fatherhood, but you need to see the judgment of a father. You say, brother, what do you mean? That as a father, I'm supposed to judge what my kids do, whether it be right, whether it be wrong, and point them in the right direction? Well, of course that's true. We, we're going to get to that in a moment. But let me say this to you. Before we as fathers can ever give right judgment, uh, sound judgment to our children, we first of all have to have good judgment for ourselves. We cannot teach them something and tell them something that we ourselves are not practicing. We got to have good judgment in our own lives. See, there's a few things that I'm going to give you this morning, about five or six of them, that every child needs if we're going to be a happy father, if we're going to fulfill the responsibility and purpose that God has called us to fulfill as godly fathers who love their kids. Number one, your kids need an example. Look with me, if you will, please, at Proverbs chapter number one, starting in verse number seven. Proverbs one, starting in verse seven, a very familiar verse of scripture, and then we'll read through verse number 9. The Bible says the fear of the Lord, watch this, is the beginning of knowledge. So what the Bible's telling us that if we're going to have even a modicum of, of, of knowledge to be able to go out uh, and, and live lives that are pleasing unto the Lord, live lives that are successful as human beings, then we first and foremost have to have the fear of the Lord. What does it mean to fear God? Well, it means to have a healthy reverence and respect for who God is. So before your children and before my children can go out and live lives that will be successful and pleasing unto the Lord, we must, they must, fear Him. they got to respect Him. Now let me ask you something. How are your children and my children going to learn to respect the Lord? To respect the things of God? To reverence God and worship God? Well, they're going to learn that from me and from you. I put in your bulletin a pastor's corner this morning, and I believe it with all my heart. Your children will learn much more from your lifestyle than they'll ever learn from your lips. I'm going to say 90 to 95% of the things your children learn from you and the things my children learn from me, it's not taught to them, it's caught by them. It's not taught, it's caught. They catch it from me. Let me tell you what I want my kids to I want my kids to catch me praying at church, yes, but I want, I want them to catch me praying around the dinner table. Can you say amen? 
I want them to catch me honoring and studying the Word of God here, but I want them to see me honoring and studying the Word of God in my home. I want them to see me loving people here and serving people here, but I want them to see me loving and serving people when I leave this place. I want them to see me treating people with respect here in this place and in this house, but I also want them to see me treating their mama with respect in our house. Can you see me? I want to be that example. I want that, them to catch that from my life. Look what the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter number 20 and verse number 7. I love this verse. It's, it's very good. What a promise. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The just man walketh in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. When we choose by the power of God, to walk in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord, we become the example our kids follow to also walk in integrity and have good character. That's what the Bible's telling us. Our kids, first and foremost, need an example. They need someone to look to. I remember years ago, I was um, uh, at my workplace, and there was a man there who worked with me for years who did woodworking and did a very good job at it. And one Christmas, I asked him about building my little girl at the time a, uh, a school desk so that she could uh, do her coloring and, and do her drawing. She loved to draw at the time. And, and so he went and, and started the desk and brought it back to me at work. And when he brought it back, man, beautiful piece of furniture. I mean, it was all handmade, uh, done a great job on it. And I asked him, I said, man, how in the world did you come up with this? And he said, oh, that was easy. He said, I did the work. He said, but I had a pattern to go by. He had a pattern. He had an example to go by so that he knew how to cut every piece and put it together just like it needed to be put together so that not only would it be a beautiful piece of furniture, but it would also fulfill a purpose. Now, let me say something to you, parents. Let me say something to you, fathers. Our children need a pattern. They need an example. They need someone to look to and say, that's how life is to be lived. That's how we honor God. That's how we worship Him. That's how we are faithful to the things of God. That's how we love God, and that's how we love people. And that example needs to be us. There's a lot of people who are unfaithful to the things of God now who are going to wonder in years to come while their children want nothing to do with honoring God through serving in a local church. If you are unfaithful and don't respect and reverence the things of God, your children in turn will not respect and reverence the things of God. They need a pattern. They need an example. Let me give you a verse of scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. Watch how the Bible puts it there. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Let's start with verse number 8. Deuteronomy 6, verse number 8. Here, the Bible is speaking about the truth of God's word, the principles that are found in the word of God. And look what, the, what command the Bible gives us. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be as a, a frontlets between thine eyes. Let's go to the next verse. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates, 
And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and godly cities which thou buildest not. Let's go back to verse number 6. Watch this. And these words which I command you here this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest at the house, and thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I love this verse because the Bible's telling us that the word of God should so permeate our lives as believers, as Christ followers, that we don't just talk about it, discuss it, and apply it here in this place, but we talk about it discuss it and apply it as we're walking down the road, as we're sitting at the house, wherever we are among our families with our children, we should be giving them the truth of the word of God. And listen to me, applying that truth to our everyday lives. For what? So that we might be an example of what it means to follow Christ, to reverence God. Our kids, first and foremost, need an example. And they're going to learn things from us that they can't learn in any other place. Do you know our kids need to learn what it means to be courageous? Do you know our kids need to learn what it means to be friendly? To be fair? You know our kids need to learn what it means to be humble? To be honest? Do you think they're going to learn that in their public school? Do you think they're going to learn that from the internet? Are they going to learn that from social media? Are they going to learn contentment? In the world that they live in? No, they're going to learn that first and foremost from us. What it means to treat people right. What it means to live honest lives. What it means to truly love God and love people. Our kids first and foremost need an example. Let me give you another one. Not only do they need an example, they need unconditional love. Unconditional love. So many times, the love that is given to us or we give to others is conditional. As long as they're um, uh, doing what we want, then, then we show love to them. As long as they're doing the right things, then we act the right way. But the opposite's also true. When they do the wrong things, then we no longer love them. Well, that's not what God's Word teaches. Go to Proverbs chapter 4 and look with me in verse number 1. Watch what the, what the Scripture says. Hear ye, children... The instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Now, I love those two verses. What he's saying is, there's some laws, there's some doctrine, there's some rules and regulation that the father gives to the son, to the daughter, to the children, that needs to be given. And how many of you know that's absolutely true? They need to know what the law is. They need to know what the truth is. They need to know what the right doctrine is. They need the rules they need the regulations. But look at verses 3 and 4. That's not all they need. Watch what he tells us. For I was, in my, I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Now he's telling us in the first two verses of Proverbs 4 that he's going to give you rules, regulation, and doctrine. And then the next two verses in verses 3 and 4, he says, then my, my parents, they gave me love. Now let me say something to you fathers. It's good to give rules. It's good to give regulations. But if you have rules without relationship, that always leads to rebellion. Always. You can't just always hammer out the rules, but never show love. 
So what does it mean to show unconditional love? Well, I'll tell you what a lot of people think. A lot of people think unconditional love means you just buy kids whatever they want. I'm going to tell you, one of the best ways that you can ruin a child is give them whatever they want. Not make them work for it. Not make them earn it. Think that they are entitled to everything just because you can give it to them. When you do that, you're telling them they're the center of the universe and the world revolves around them. And folks, that just ain't true. That may be true in your house, but it won't be true in the world they live in. So we don't, uh, unconditional love is not about just giving them everything they want, but it is about giving them everything they need. And those are two very different things. They need to know what an honest, hard day's work is. They need to know what it means to walk with integrity. They need to know what it means to live uh, in fairness and be friendly. They need to know what it means to be courteous. They need to know these things. And if we love them, we'll teach them these things. We're setting them up for a life that they can be successful in. They can honor God in. So, they need unconditional love, but it's not giving them everything they want, but it is giving them what they need. Let me define for you unconditional love with three words. First of all, they need touch. And what I mean by that, I want to encourage you fathers to always be hugging your kids. Grab them up, hug them, love on them. They may act like they don't like it, but that's okay. They really do, deep down on the inside. My, you know, it, it changes with me, with daughters and sons. I've got two daughters and a son, and, and, and my daughters, you know, every, every time I see them, I try to hug them and tell them I love them. I want them to know that. I want them to know that um, Daddy's there whenever he, they, they need him. You know, I want them to feel um, secure. I want them to feel safe. I want them to never wonder whether or not I'm proud of them or I love them. The same is true for my son, but it looks a little bit different. With my girls, I'll hug them up. We'll lay on the couch, watch TV. We do that all the time. With my son, the hug usually turns into a headlock. There's a wrestling match that usually ensues. But that's just me loving him and him loving me. Matter of fact, he loved me so much the other night, I was walking through the house, didn't know he was nowhere around, and he blindsides me out of the hallway and knocks me onto the couch. I'm telling you, it's a form tackle that was perfect. And deep down on the inside, for just a split second, I got real mad. Because I didn't know it was coming. But then also, I felt so very proud. He hit me perfect, man. I mean, he had his, he was down and he was down in his rear end. He had his head up and hit me with his shoulder right in the chest. Now I'm going to return the love when he least expects it. <laughs> it's good to touch your kids. Love on them. Hug them. Let them know that you're proud of them and you love them. Touch is a big thing. Let me tell you how kids also spell love they don't spell it l-o-v-e they spell it t-i-m-e it's time spent with them let me tell you the trap we fall into as parents sometimes and especially as fathers we think man we've got to give our kids everything that we didn't have and many times what we do we work too many hours to make money to buy things we don't really need 
And instead of all the stuff that you think your kids want, let me tell you what they really want. They want you. They want to spend time with you. Now, I'm not against a man who works hard. You ought to be working hard. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against a man who is ambitious, ambitious and wants to succeed in life. That, that's what you ought to want to do. I'm not against someone who wants to have nice things. Man, we live in the land of opportunity. Go out and get it. That's not what I'm saying. But keep all of those things in the proper place. Keep your priorities in line. And make sure that you don't trade the good things for the best things. Because I'm going to tell you something. As a pastor, I've had the privilege of sitting beside a lot of deathbeds. And I say privilege because that's one of the best times you can share truth. It's one of the best times you can show the love of Christ. But I've never heard someone say, when it comes time for them to leave this world, I wish I'd have worked more. I wish I'd have made more money. I wish I'd have had a bigger TV or a nicer house. Nothing wrong with having a big TV or a nice house. That's not what I'm saying. But don't waste your life chasing after things that really don't matter. In 150 years, it ain't going to matter what your banking account statement says. It ain't going to matter what kind of car you drove. And it ain't going to matter what kind of TV you had. Most of all, that stuff that you all spent your whole life collecting about two weeks after you're dead is going to be sold at a yard sale for 25 cents. That's just the way it is. Don't waste your life chasing after the wrong stuff. Spend some time. I'm telling you, I've never heard nobody say, I wish I'd have worked more, had a bigger house or a bigger car or, or made more money, but I've heard it a lot of times. Man, I wish I'd have spent more time with my kids. Time. Touch. Let me give you something else. Tenderness. That's what unconditional love looks like. Your kids are going to have problems. They're going to face mean people at school. Wherever. Not just at school. All over. It's going to happen. And they're going to come and tell you about some things that you think, that's really not that big a deal. And maybe it's not to you. But let me tell you this, it is to them. Don't just laugh it off. Don't make them feel bad for talking to you. Be sympathetic and empathetic, realizing that we've all had to deal with stuff like that in our lives. And even though it's not a big deal to you, it's a huge deal to them or they wouldn't have told you. So be tender. Be willing to help where you can. They need an example. They need unconditional love. Let me tell you something else they need. They need constant encouragement each and every day. Let me tell you what encouragement looks like. Encouragement looks like you finding them, catching them, doing something right instead of doing something wrong. Now, I want to tell you something. Whether you realize it or not, you don't have perfect children. Now, I know some people think they do, but they don't. And I want to tell you, I don't have perfect children. None of us do. But let me say this. Get a hold of this, parents. Your kids don't have perfect parents either. Mine don't either. We're all still growing in this thing. Let me tell you what your children do not need or what they really don't want. 
You say, Russell, I know I need to be an example. I know that I need to, uh, to, to, to teach them what, what, pattern, what the pattern is supposed to be for living a life of faith and, and, and following after Jesus. I get all that, but I'm just not perfect. That's right. You're not. And I'm not. We're all imperfect people and we're imperfect parents. We mess up. We drop the ball. We do stupid things from time to time. Listen to me. Your kids know you're not perfect. And what they don't need and what they don't want is for you to get, give some kind of phony perfectionism and, and act like you never make a mistake. They don't need that. If they see that and, they, and you always act like you never do any wrong and always punishing them for everything they do wrong, let me tell you what that's going to do. That's going to cause them, first of all, to resent you and ruin, and ruin your relationship, but will also cause them to want nothing to do with your faith. Let me tell you what kids want and what they need. They don't need you to be perfect. They just need you to be real. And a lot of times, I just got to be real with them. Say, look, man, I'm messed up here. I've told my daughter many times. I, I've had to apologize to her. And I, I just tell her something like this. Honey, I'm a much better parent than I were when you were younger. And I am. I didn't have a clue. I don't have much of a clue now, it feels like. And, you know, I'm still learning as I go. A lot of this is trial by error. Uh, and, and so I, I want you to know um, we're, we're all still growing in this thing. But a lot of times she'll say, well, Dad, you didn't do this with me and you're doing this with the other two. And, and, and I just got to tell her, honey, I'm a better parent now. I dropped the ball. I messed up. Now let me tell you this though. What they need to see is you just being real, saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I messed up, and then they need to see how you handle it. What you run to. When you mess up, show them a good model of what it means to repent and confess. Get things right with God and get things right with them. Are you getting what I'm saying? They don't need you to be perfect. They just need you to be real. Now, when they see that, when they see that, then they'll also see that they can come to you with any problem that they've got. They'll talk to you. Ain't that what you want? It's what I want. If they feel like you're perfect, you never make a mistake, and you're always going to come down on them for any mistake they make, they're never going to tell you any problem that they got. They're not going to talk to you about your struggles. When they realize we all got struggles, well, then that makes all the difference. Encourage them. Find them doing something right and don't always find them doing something wrong. We can find them doing something wrong if we look hard enough. Again, they're not perfect and we're not perfect. We can find that, but find them doing something right. Listen, and there's a difference in encouragement and praise. Do you know that? Don't just praise them, encourage them. Let me tell you what praise looks like. When you look at your, your son or your daughter and say, you know what, you are a terrific athlete, and if it hadn't been for you, we wouldn't have never won that game. I mean, you hit the winning shot, or, or you, uh, uh, you scored the touchdown, or are you done this or that, and it wouldn't have been for you, man, we had just lost everything. When you say that to them, that's praise. And for a moment, it can make them feel real good. But what, what, what happens when they don't hit the winning shot? When they don't score the touchdown? When they don't do good in whatever field we're talking about? 
whether it be athletics or academics or whatever, what happens then? Well, then they feel as though because I didn't do my best, because it didn't work out like I want it to work out, that mom and dad is not going to be pleased with me. That's praise. Let me tell you what encouragement is. You may not have won the game, but I know you gave it your all. I know you worked hard. I know you was out there doing everything you could do, and you was given 110%. You may not have made straight A's, but I saw you studying, and I thank you for studying. I thank you for trying your best and working your hardest. Encourage them. Find things they do right instead of always looking for things that they do wrong. Let me give you a verse for that, and we'll move on. It again comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter number 3. Verses 21 through 26. Brothers, put that up for me. Watch what this says. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes, many the commandments that he's given. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall thy life be unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Watch what he says. Then thou shalt walk in, the way, in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Thou, when thou liest down, when thou shalt not be afraid, yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. I love this. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked. When it cometh, let's go to the next verse. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So what I see in this is a father encouraging his son. And that's so very important that we encourage our children. Man, give them encouragement, not discouragement. Find them doing something wrong or something right instead of always find them doing something wrong. Not only give them encouragement, listen, give them wise instruction from the Word of God. How many of you know that the home is the primary learning place for our kids? It's not the church and it's not the school. It has to start at the home. One thing that we used to do a whole lot when our kids were, were, were uh, smaller, we would have... Um, Family meetings, two and three times a week. And in those family meetings, what we would do was just talk about some of the principles of faith. You know, why we believe what we believe. What the Word of God says about certain things that were going on around us. Listen, how we deal with everyday life. And I'm telling you something, folks. That makes a huge difference in your relationship with your kids and also the foundation of their faith. So give wise instruction from the Word of God. Let me give you another one. Give reasonable restrictions. Now, how many of you know every kid needs restrictions and limitations? Because if they don't, they're going to be a kid and do things they don't need to do. That's number one. So they need some limitations. Let me tell you what else limitations does. Limitations and restrictions, reasonable limitations and restrictions, let your kids know that you really care about them. Years ago, I'll never forget, we had a little girl over to her house, um, and, and we were talking about some rules and regulations that we had about what kid, our kids could do and what they couldn't do. And, and that little girl, I'll never forget what she said. She looked, she said, my mama didn't care what I do. Now, I could almost hear the contempt in her voice when she said that. What she was saying was, my mom and dad don't care enough about me to put limitations and restrictions on what I do. That's how she felt. Kids that don't have limitations and restrictions will feel that way. So there needs to be limitations and restrictions, but they need to be reasonable. Listen to me, parents. You've got to let them live life. You've got to let them enjoy life. And listen, you've got to trust them until they break that trust. And there's going to come a time when they will break that trust. But when they do, get it worked out, get it made right, and then start rebuilding that trust again. 
so that they can learn from it. Deal out punishment where punishment is needed. Set a standard and correct to that standard. But learn to trust when they're doing the right thing. Be reasonable with their restrictions. Allow them to go out and live life. And even make mistakes. I want to tell you something. That's one of the hardest things for me to do is let my kids make mistakes. But they've got to learn to do that. If they don't make mistakes, they'll not know how to, how to fix it. And mom and dad's not always going to be there. So reasonable restrictions. Let me give you two more and I'm finished. Let's go on. The last one, and one of the most important ones, comes from Proverbs 18, 13. Listen to them. Listen to what the scripture says. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Anybody ever been guilty of that? You don't really listen to help the person. You listen to answer the question. You don't lend a listening ear, but you're always ready to give an answer even before you hear the whole story. I'm guilty of that all the time. What your kids need is somebody to listen to them. And they don't always need a whole, and, and I'm guilty of this, they don't always need a whole long 30-minute diatribe of why they should have done what they didn't do and why they didn't do what they should have done. and They don't need all that. Sometimes they just need you to listen to them. So listen to them. Listen to them when they've got the problems. You need to see the joy of fatherhood. You need to see the judgment of a father. But now, number three, you also need to see the jurisdiction of the father. I, I put up signs for a living. Y'all know that with the highway department. And we've got a sign that we put up. Seems like all the time it gets knocked down. It's called police jurisdiction. Now, what do you think that means when you see a police jurisdiction sign? That means the police in that community or that town or that city has authority up to this point. Now, let me talk to you about the jurisdiction of a father. Let me tell you what authority the father, the husband, has in the home. It's from Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. Okay? Let me first of all say this. God has created the family the way God wants the family to be. God has not changed his mind on the order in a family. Can you say amen? Let me tell you what God's word says concerning the, the family. The, God's word tells us that the man is to be the spiritual head of the family. And it says that the wife is to come under submission to her husband just like the husband comes under this, uh, unto submission to the Lord Jesus. So really what the Bible is teaching, if you want to know what biblical submission is all about, as the husband follows Christ, the wife follows the husband. Now let me tell you something, ladies. If you've got a man who loves Jesus and follows Jesus and is leading your home in a way that God is pleased according to the truth of the word of God, and you won't come under his authority, you've got a problem. If you've got a father to your children in your home that is loving Jesus and following Jesus and holding up the standard of the word of God and correcting that standard and doing the things that God wants that man to do and you belittle him before your children, you've got a problem. If your children 
sees that you don't respect the authority of the Father, they won't respect it either. And when that happens, I'm telling you, you have got a mess on your hands. Then there's chaos. Then there's confusion where there should be order. The jurisdiction of the Father is this. God has called him to be the spiritual head of the household. And as he follows Jesus, then wife and kids, you follow him. Ephesians 6, 4 puts it pretty plain. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, does he say anything about mamas in this verse? No, he doesn't. Does that mean mothers aren't important? Of course not. Mothers are extremely important. And we've talked several times about that. Mother, mothers are used by God to nurture and bring up their children. But now listen, he makes it plain in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, he says, Fathers, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nursery. Why does he specifically speak to fathers? I'll tell you why. Because with headship comes responsibility. I am responsible as a father for how my children are raised. One day, I'm going to stand before Jesus and give an account for how my children were raised in my home. Mamas, realize with that headship your husband has been given comes responsibility, and he will one day stand before Jesus and give an account. Don't hurt him. Help him. Listen, don't tear him down. Build him up. Don't discourage him, encourage him. Don't belittle his authority. Come under his authority. You need to see the joy of the Father, the judgment of the Father, the jurisdiction of the Father, if we're going to be happy fathers. Can you say amen? Everybody stand up this morning. Sweetie, we're not going to have a song of invitation today. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for these dads, for myself, for my family, and for your family. We're just going to ask God to have his way and to have his will in our homes. As I said at the beginning of this message, sometimes days like today bring great joy, and sometimes days like today bring great sorrow and pain. Listen to me. God is able to meet you right where you are. He knows right where you are. And He is able by His power to do the work needed in your life wherever you are today. Let me pray for you. Father God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for this good day. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Thank you for the great blessing of children. I'm thankful for my three. Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to honor you, to seek you, to seek first your kingdom. And I believe your truth that all these other things will be added unto my life. God, I'm praying for each and every father in this place. 
that, Lord, we would continually be the example that you've called us to be. Lord, may our children learn from the pattern of our lives what it means to respect you, to reverence you, to honor you day by day. Lord, I'm praying that you would work on us as your men to do the work, the great work that's needed in every home. God, I'm asking for your blessing upon everyone in this place. I'm praying that you convict where conviction is needed, that you comfort where comfort is needed, that, Lord, you speak to hearts and change lives and do the work that only you are capable of doing. Lord, for these things, we're going to praise you. We're going to honor you, for you alone are worthy of our praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've got just a few announcements that I want to make to you before you go. Remember, as you leave... Um, do we have our two ushers this morning? Who is our, who?